0: Hey guys, (laughs) afternoon, it was September 2020. A guy reached out to me through my website, The Modern Contemplative, and said he wanted to be on my podcast, and I said, well, that sounds good, but let's get to know each other first. Five months later, almost, here we are. This is the first interview I'm doing, well, actually the second, I interviewed my son, last fall. <laughs> and that was fun. A little 20-minute podcast. But this is the first real interview I'm doing with uh, the individual that reached out to me. He's written a book, and he wanted to share his book, and we're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about a lot of things today. I'm excited to have uh, a good friend, who a guy who's become a good friend on my podcast today for you. So it's going to be a little different, just... Hold on to your hats. It's still going to be good. This is the Construction Monk Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall Ori. So let's get to it. Um, I just want to let you guys know it's a little different format today. But I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I hope you enjoy our conversation. So without further ado, I'll introduce to you the person I call the other Richard and the other Lewis. Not Richard Rohr, not C.S. Lewis, but kind of the best of both, maybe. Uh, Richard Lewis. So Richard, how are you doing?
1: Good, good. Thanks for having me on. It's been nice to get to know you over the last couple months and now finally uh, have a nice conversation and hopefully share some interesting, fun things with your community.
0: Yeah, I feel like, um, you know, we belong to a community of contemplatives. I feel like contemplatives are kind of uncommon in some sense uh and maybe that's my first uh, my first question is like how did you kind of stumble onto this contemplative tradition and path
1: um i would say i was always attracted to silence i just didn't know what to do with it Mm -hmm. and i stumbled into well carl McColeman. i had read some of his books probably in like 2011 2012 um, and he talked a lot about christian mysticism and he talked about silence being transforming But he didn't really name a practice that i can recall in his books and then i came across centering prayer in late 2013 in a book called healing the divide recovering christianity's mystic roots by amos smith Mm -hmm. and then that grabbed my attention right away because now i had a container for the silence and i knew what to do in the silence whereas before that i didn't i just sat in silence for for minutes at a time but i didn't really know what to do so I found Centering Prayer in late 2013 in his book, and then I started um, practicing Centering Prayer and have been doing so, I guess, now seven years or so.
0: So it sounds like there was an intuitive, internal desire just for silence as a part of your spiritual journey.
1: First, there was. I mean, yes, agree, agree. I guess there was a longing for it, there was a longing for something more Hmm. um, than what I was not not to get rid of my existing prayer forms, but there was kind of an internal longing of there was more, there was a way to go deeper and have a deeper and more intimate relationship with God, and hmm. I, just, I just didn't know how to do it and what that was.
0: <laughs> hmm. I think that's interesting because I feel like in some ways you don't become a contemplative. Uh, God calls you to it, but it's something that you recognize that you kind of already are in a way, right? In some ways.
1: No, I would agree. I would definitely agree. I mean, I think it's kind of an inner... All of us probably really are contemplatives without realizing it. Yeah. When we learn to quiet ourselves. Right. And when we learn to quiet ourselves to help us in life just in general, you become a contemplative, <laughs> I think.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's a natural part of the spiritual journey of intimacy with God, God calling us into um, himself, Herself, as I like to say, sometimes um, it's just a part of that God calling us into quiet. So that's cool. So I like that it, it began in you first, and it kind of led you to seek out things outside of you, people outside of you that were maybe could inform you.
1: Exactly. I mean, that's that's really what happened. Is I discovered it in well, I discovered silence and the transforming power of it with Carl McCuller's books, and then I discovered centering prayer with Amos Smith's books. And then I began practicing it and reading others, you know, so, you know Thomas Keating and Basil Pennington mm-hmm. and Dave David Frenette um, and Cynthia Bourgeau. I just began reading what they had to say about centering prayer. And of course, really the most important thing is just to do it. So you can read all the books you want, but Thomas Keating says, said something similar similar to this. If you do it, it will do you. <laughs> and, and and that's definitely true. And, it's, and, and the it, doing it, is God. And uh, so it's the centering prayer is really a practice and a relationship with God, um, but you're letting God do it to you by letting go during centering prayer, just opening to the presence and actions of God within you.
0: Yeah, I feel like the transition, at least for me, and I think the transition into contemplation can be sometimes defined as transitioning from my religion and and what I'm doing to god and what god is doing to me through me for me so i think surrender i think is a key to contemplation the idea of okay it's not me going to church and me reading my bible me doing these things but now it's like there's a corner that gets turned where oh maybe god is the one going that's going to lead and i kind of become in some ways more passive and surrendered
1: exactly i mean you you let god be god and and i often Hmm. think you know i think anyone can practice silent prayer or centering prayer um even if they don't believe in god or they don't know what they think or they're not sure uh exactly what they should be thinking or doing that's the beauty of it you you don't have to you just let go and let god be god and just enter the silence of prayer and and see what happens yeah, I, so I think I think a lot of people that maybe are even just deconstructing their faith that mm-hmm. something like this might be good for them because they're unsure or they're struggling how to process their faith. And mm-hmm. th- there is there is no processing. You're letting go and just letting God be God and seeing what happens.
0: Yeah, I think you make a really good point. I think we're seeing a lot of people coming to understand. They feel like they, they want to move out of what their Christianity has been. Like they're recognizing there's like they need something more, something different. So they, I think a lot of people recognize maybe what they want to leave behind, but not always what they want to move towards. And it feels like that was somewhat of your journey as well.
1: Yeah, I I, I would say that. I I was just journeying for more. I mean, right Mm now I'm in between churches, but I was for the last 20 years or so, I was at the United Church of Christ, which was a very, Beautiful, loving, inclusive church, mm-hmm. um, but I think I was just looking for something more um, and deeper and more intimate. I mean, I guess a lot of—not that I can speak for all churches—but they'll have, they might have a moment of silence, and the moment of silence is 10, 15, 20 seconds, mm-hmm. but it's not. I mean, I guess you can't. Well, I guess you could, but you can't necessarily do 20-minute silent sits in church. But, mm-hmm. right? Well, I take that back. You can if you've ever been <laughs> to a traditional, traditional Quaker service. Sure. It's all silent. Sure. And then yeah. for about 40 minutes, because I've been to one, and then they do announcements yeah. and prayers and other things after it. But just, I guess many churches don't take a whole lot of time. Poor silence or a moment of uh, the silence they do is 15 seconds or so.
0: Yeah, I was surprised to learn after I started venturing into contemplation that the Quakers is probably the most notable American Christian tradition that is strongly contemplative. I I have a friend who's Quaker, and so I've kind of learned a little bit about their history. But that's that I like that you brought up the Quaker tradition because I think it's probably beyond Catholicism, w- at least one of the few that does value contemplation as a central part of its kind of. Identity, right? No, I would agree. And in fact, and I've gotten out in the
1: community and, and taught centering prayer. So the places that were receptive to having me come, um, they either are receptive to it or they even have their own centering prayer groups tended to be Episcopal groups. Mm-hmm. Um, United Church of Christ and some Lutheran churches were the kind of the main three um, that welcomed me and. and were familiar with silence and centering prayer. Mm -hmm. And then actually to my surprise, this was like right after COVID really started hitting in April, I did kind of a a Zoom workshop with a large non-denominational church of I think 200 or 300 people or so. Mm. And and a lot of their people were much younger too. So that was kind of a nice surprise that it was, they were non-denominational, they were young and they wanted, they were hungry to learn more.
0: Yeah, I just want to remind everybody listening and, and, you, and assure you that I have, I have your book in front of me. We're going to get there, but um, we're just kind of enjoying the conversation. And I think one of the things you bring out, which I think is on my heart, is that the, lar- largely the American church, which is largely evangelical, to, to that church, silence and centering prayer not only sound foreign, but can sound too mystical almost um, almost heretical I've I've found as I talk to my evangelical friends who I knew as an evangelical before I was a contemplative like when I begin to talk to them about contemplation centering prayer they get kinda freaked out sometimes so I feel like a lot of the work we have to do as teachers of contemplation is trying to help kind of uh, maybe as missionaries to the mainstream Christian American church when it comes to contemplation. I, I don't know what you what do you think about that.
1: No, I had a, an interesting experience. This is I don't know going back probably six years or so. I, I I would just try to get myself invited to churches, but then I began reaching out to like the local colleges and universities in my area mm-hmm. to see if I could come speak to the group the student groups uh, Mm and the christian groups there so there was a christian group and they were were definitely more evangelical and they let me come and i sat in a room and i talked to them about centering prayer and then we did a five minute sit Mm -hmm. but it was like i could tell they were looking at me very differently it was this was new they weren't sure of this Mm -hmm. did this make sense is it biblical Mm -hmm. um, am I talking about
0: something that's crazy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, in
1: hindsight, as I look back at it, I, I probably could have done a much better job of sharing with them the scriptural basis of mm-hmm. silence and talk more about Jesus went off alone and he couldn't always have been talking and babbling on and on when he prayed. I could have given them more of a history of you know scripture referring to silence, and I could have talked more about silence going all the way back to Jesus and going back to the desert fathers and mothers, and Mm -hmm. so I could have given a a better background. And whether that would have helped or not helped, I don't know. But no, it was definitely a new experience for them, and they weren't sure what to make of it.
0: Yes, it is foreign. I think. I think one of the reactions is oh that's a catholic thing and and for protestants catholicism uh... is not usually favorably thought of so there's that connotation um, and then there's also the eastern religion connotation of buddhism or hinduism and when it comes to meditation and silence and so both of those tend to be negatives when it comes to mainstream uh, evangelical the e- mainstream evangelical mind but yeah it's like uh, I agree with you. It's uh, trying to help people understand this would not have been foreign to Jesus or his disciples or the church for the first, I don't know, probably at least 500 years. Uh, right. You know, not just the Desert Fathers, but any monastic movement and the Eastern Orthodox Church never let go of this kind of idea of silence and trying to, as you talk about in your book and now, trying to put ourselves in a position where God can speak. We're, and that is... When we stop and I, I know it's it sounds strange um, this idea of hearing from God and giving God space to to speak but I think that's would you say that's the goal we get silent so God can have the opportunity to speak
1: yeah, exactly that and, and I guess one other thing I'll say because some people will say well this is really just meditation mm-hmm. and and I'll and I'll say it's it's really yes it is meditation but it's really tooth it's it's a practice, but it's also a relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So when I think of what I'm doing and when I tell people about silent prayers, it's, it's a practice and a relationship with God, and we're sitting with God, and we're opening to God within and letting God pray in us. So it's mm-hmm. not just meditation for me. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 med- it's an opening to God within and letting God act in me and getting myself out of the way. So that's how I when people ask me well you're just meditating Mm -hmm. that's true but it's more than that it's a relationship with God
0: I totally agree like I think the main difference uh, between Eastern religions and Christian contemplation they both practice self emptying right but where Christianity goes further is we empty in order to be filled by God I think Eastern meditation is simply emptying self emptying but Christianity and contemplation is I empty myself in order to be filled. And so there's the second kind of that infilling and maybe that it's not just to be empty. It's to be empty to be filled. So I think I would say maybe that's the main difference between Christian silence and centering prayer and maybe Eastern Buddhist and Hinduist uh, meditation. I don't know if, if that—is that how you see it? but
1: Yeah, I mean, that's how I see it, and I'm by no means at all an expert at any, any of— other practices um, but that's I would agree I agree
0: yeah I I like uh, kind of what we're talking about your introduction um, I think which is is what you wrote introduction into the first chapter of your book which is called Sitting with God is that right
1: Yes, sitting with God, a uh, so, journey to your true self through center and prayer. Yeah, yes. yeah to-
0: totally. So the, one of the first things you say in the introduction is—this is the third kind of paragraph, I guess. It's on the first page. It says, silence and silent prayer are countercultural. And I would say that's what we're talking about. It's countercultural to the American mainstream Christian church. Um, it's, it's countercultural to modern Christianity, too, in many ways. But it's actually— I, call, I tell people contemplation is the, the oldest Christian tradition, actually. So I think it, that gives it some some credence, right? It's, it's like people—and people will say, well, it's not in the Bible. But Jesus would have practiced this. He just didn't call it contemplation. He called it prayer, right? Right. <laughs> it's what he exactly. called prayer. Um, and as, as you point out in the book, too, there are many forms of prayer. This form of prayer is one of many, but it is the one meant to— bring us out of ourselves out of our mind and out of what we can do and say in communication with god and trying to bring us to a space where god can begin to communicate and so i think it in some ways it's i wouldn't say it's more important but it it, it's a very different function than most of our prayers that are not contemplative
1: Exactly. I mean, that's a, It's just a, and, and I tell people, don't by all means, don't give up your other prayer forms. Sure. Yeah. cop complement it with this, and, and I pray verbally, and I and I and I walk, and yeah. I actually have a prayer rope that I like to use. So, mm-hmm. and I, so I haven't given up my other prayer forms. It just this is just another way of praying as well that I have found very you know life giving and life changing.
0: Yeah, we see this in the Old Testament, uh, uh, more so maybe. But there's you know there's prayers of petition. There's prayers for forgiveness. I mean, there's, I think in the Old Testament more, there's a lot more kinds of prayers that are talked about and spoken about. And in the modern church, we feel like, I think prayers become more flat in our concept of it. It's like, yeah, we're talking to God. We ask God for things. We ask God for help. We ask God to heal our friend. It's more of this one way, just asking God to do things. But we see, even in the Judeo-Christian text, a very diverse and fuller sense of all kinds of praying right
1: right exactly
0: i mean i like i I, i'll point to this a lot you you know we all know this verse where paul says pray without ceasing well if it's only verbal auditory asking god for things prayer that's not possible unless there's more kinds of prayer right
1: (laughs) right right
0: so i mean every
1: everything is is is, prayer i guess it is a lot of different things. It's being quiet. It's talking out loud. It mm-hmm. could be taking a walk. It could be yes. sitting in communion with people, eating a meal with someone. Now, I view all that as prayer.
0: Yeah, my I've heard this phrase: when you sing, you pray twice because you're you're saying words to God in worship, but you're also breathing and so I, We you know centering prayer I know uh, uses breathing as a part. Well, you uh, at least for me when I when I pray. Uh, centering prayer, I breathe in and I breathe out as a part of my praying
1: Right, no, that, that, it, and that's kind of the nice thing about centering prayer. Everybody has their own way of mm-hmm. doing their practice and a lot of people Pull in the breath and use the breath and it's, and it's very helpful for them.
0: It is for me and um, uh, Richard Rohr talks about the word Yahweh is actually a very breathy way like you breathe in it's actually the breath and the Holy Spirit, uh, if people don't know, the the word phanuma means breath, of course. God breathed life into Adam and Eve. And this, this idea of breath is central to the presence of God in many ways. So I think that's cool, breathing. Um, right. Yep. Your first chapter is called Beginner's Mind. Uh, there's a quote right at the beginning, which is kind of what you're talking about. This is a quote from... Ian Van Heusen, I think I have the name right, but he says, without unscripted time, we'll never learn to hear the voice of God because we will be too busy with our plans and ideas. So uh, you've kind of already pointed to that, but uh, just talk about that a little more, how that unscripted time of silence uh, enables us to hear God.
1: I guess I would say, and my website is silence teaches us who we are, and I strongly Mm -hmm. believe that because it with centering prayer or any contemplative practice, you get out of the way and let go of your agenda and open to God's um, agenda. So centering prayer or or silent prayer or or any contemplative practice for that matter teaches you who you are and how to live and what what you should do, what you should focus on. You just seem to get inner nudges from God as to what you should do and what you should focus on or even it could be inner wisdom for tasks, or it could even just be peace. If you need a sense of peace at that time because you're anxious, mm-hmm. so it, it just—you almost have to do it, and then you begin experiencing some of these things. Whereas if you don't take the time to still all the voices in your head, you don't—you mm-hmm. you don't move forward in life and, and do things that maybe you could have done or, or wanted to. I mean, I believe you connect to your true self, which is the person God wants you to be. Mm-hmm. Um, through it, through any type of contemplative practices, but it's hard to connect to your true self if you're too busy to slow down and, and listen to it.
0: Yeah, I like how you write in your, in your, again in that first chapter called the uh, Beginner's Mind. Um, you write, "Silence is God's first language." I love that. Uh, talk about that a little more.
1: Um, I mean, it's really just God. God is in the. I think of. I think of centering prayer as a reverse prayer. I'm, I'm simply letting God pray in me, and at least from my own experiences, I've ex, I've experienced it, the, the different types of prayers. God is. I mean, the first thing I'll say is we enter prayer with God because we love God, and, mm-hmm. and that's and that's really it. I enter with no expectations, and if you have any expectations, you let go of that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then. Outside of your prayer time, you notice things about yourself. So I, have, when I look at before I practiced centering prayer and began really practicing it in June of 2014, compare myself then to now, it has changed me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm more excited to live life. I, I have a whole lot more confidence. I seem to get wisdom for tasks that I didn't know how to do. Mm-hmm. And I just seem to have nudges to get out of my comfort zone and do and try new things. Um, center and prayer nudged me into the, uh, kind of a whole new world. I mean, pre-centering prayer, I, I never would have imagined I'm going to have a website and I'm going to have a weekly meditation. I'm mm-hmm. going to be interacting with other contemplatives and I'm going to write a book and I'm going to get out in the community and teach prayer in case it can help others. Mm-hmm. It's not something I even envisioned, but centering prayer pulled all that out of
0: me. Yeah, I think that when it comes to silence, I think it's not emptiness. It's not empty. I think sometimes when people hear us talk about silence and being quiet, there's, an, there's a sense that nothing is happening, but it's like, I kind of imagine that God is the fullness in all things, and Scripture says He is in all things, in all things, uh, all things hold together in Him, but um there's an idea that as we get silent, the fullness of God, which is full in all things, kind of begins to become evident through the silence. I guess the silence leads us to hear a voice we wouldn't hear in our normal way. But it's not, I don't know, would you say it's tr- It's not true silence? It's silence on our part, but it's not really silence on God's part, is it?
1: No, I mean God speaks in in a different different way. God's not speaking to us in audible sounds mm-hmm. or pictures or images. It's it's just deep within you. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a different. So I, I mean, you don't even. It's you're not. When we say we sit in silence, there could be obviously be noise going on around you. Sure. Um, but you're stilling the inner voices. Yes. So that you can let God speak to you, and mm-hmm. and actually, which when you think about contemplative prayer, even. It, at the beginning of the chapter, I, I just loved the Thomas Keating quote. and That's why mm-hmm. I put it there, is contemplative prayer is the world in which God can do anything. Mm-hmm. To move into that realm is the greatest adventure. It is to be open to the infinite and hence infinite possibilities. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have experienced that as a, as a result of my practices. Contemplative prayer really is the world in which anything can happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm reminded of, uh, there's a phrase in the Old Testament used quite a lot called, uh, which is uh, um, those those who wait on the Lord. There's a lot of different scriptures. We're most familiar with Isaiah. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. But there's a lot of different promises connected to that phrase, those who wait on the Lord. And I think contemplative prayer is also occupying that same space of learning to wait, to be silent, to be still, not just physically although we posture ourselves physically, but we're learning to wait. Like you said, we get quiet. We, I even ask God questions and we wait and we're, we're kind of putting ourselves in a position to let God lead, speak, move, reveal things. And I like that you said, you know, even in your day-to-day work, just even in common things, God can, when we start to hear, God can begin to direct. And I find that too. I, I work construction and I tell people God is my foreman, like God gives me inspiration and ideas if I'm stuck. Uh, contemplative prayer, in its most practical sense, even when I'm working construction, means that God can say, hey, um, try this, do that. And it, it's, it's really cool that it's not just some monastic practice for monks in a, con, in a um, monastery sitting and doing nothing, but it's, it can be very practical, right?
1: No, I mean it's really for monks who live in the world. I mean, I think of it as I'm, I'm sitting with God, yeah. And then it's it's not. I'm saying goodbye, God, and I'll see you when I come back for the next sit. It's no. Then God and I get up together and walk together and partner in life. So, we're, I'm sitting with God, and then I get up and I walk mm-hmm. walk with God.
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a way we move through the world in every way. Our interactions with people, and and you say I don't I can't know page numbers, but. One, one of the things you write, the heart of centering prayer is consent. Consent to the presence and action of God in our lives. Now, that's really cool. Like, there's an action that comes out of and flows from this silence and this resting in God. It, it doesn't it doesn't leave us still. It moves us. But it's now God moving us instead of us, right?
1: Right, right. And some people get a little bit like—I've I've had one one gentleman had messaged me, and he was— caught he was caught up on the consent and he thought that was harsh and then <laughs> we we and we had a nice discussion because it's true and, and i view it as it's not like god is saying you consent it's it's more that you know i'm and maybe there's a better word to use but it's just you're just cons- you're opening to the presence of god within so you're just consenting mm-hmm. to this wonderful presence and getting yourself out of the way and let it act in you
0: i like the word or the phrase in concert with um, I think it's the same idea, but like the goal of a mystical union, which is what con- contemplatives, that's how they phrase it, but like it's in concert, like God is moving and we want to move with God as God moves for us in us personally and in the world at large. It's like this idea that even Jesus is called in Hebrews the pioneer and author of our faith. It's this idea that he leads us, right? We're supposed to follow Jesus. and so... It's this idea that, in concert with God, means, just practically, God wants to lead us in every moment, in His wisdom, to move with Him. It's moving with Him, really.
1: Right, exactly that. You're just learning how to move with move with God not, 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 through life, not just in your centering prayer times, but with, with mm-hmm. your whole life. Because you can take a silent pause at any point during the day, so you can do a you know, a longer centering prayer sit, but you can, and I do it, you can take a a pause, whether it's one minute or 10 seconds at any point in the day Mm. to recenter and and bring yourself back. Um, Or I I don't like going to the doctors. So if I have to go to the doctor, I'm always nervous. So I'll do a couple minutes, sit in the car and go in. But so you can do silence at any time. So I even Mm -hmm. encourage people to take silent pauses throughout the day.
0: Yeah, the purpose and the outcome of that practice is that we begin to learn how to move through every moment in that mode of of letting God lead. Like lead, God's leading is the outcome, I think, and the the maybe the focal point of what we're trying to learn through the practice of of stillness and silence.
1: Right. Exactly. And and another thing it does is you know. cultivate the ability to take a step back from your thoughts Mm -hmm. and and realize we're always thinking thoughts and emotions and and we can let go of the ones that are not helping us and are harmful to us that are probably not truth anyhow and hone Mm -hmm. in and and either reinvent new ones that help us as well so Mm -hmm. it just gives you the ability to realize i am not my thoughts so Mm -hmm. you could be telling yourself. I'm too old to try a new career, and God's saying, No, you're you're not too old. Or you can be mm-hmm. saying, I'm too young and I should have more experience for that, and God's telling you, No, you're the right person for this task. So centering prayer helps helps you let go of all these thoughts that you tell yourself that really are not true.
0: Yeah, I like that analogy of voices, thoughts, or, or it's it's almost like whether we realize it or not. There's a lot of voices speaking to us, our internal voice, our culture around us, our parents, our peers. And so like I feel like centering prayer and silence is like learning to quiet all other voices except for God's voice. And scripture says God's voice is still and small in a sense He's not gonna shout over those other voices, but we may not realize so many voices speaking to us about who we are and what we can and can't do. And I think contemplative prayer and practice is hey, It's God saying, quiet everything else. And when you do that, my voice will ring through. And my voice will be the only voice left, right?
1: (laughs) Right. And this, I mean, this God is, if you think about it, is a very patient God. So Mm -hmm. we need to be patient. I mean, if you think about it, the universe was created 13.9 billion years ago or so, is what Mm -hmm. they tell us. yeah. And then the Earth was created about 4 billion years ago. So that's Mm -hmm. a ton of time just between the universe and Earth. Mm -hmm. And obviously there's other planets and then 2000 years ago Jesus the human and our archa- incarnation of god mm-hmm. so this is a a, a very patient god <laughs> yes I look
0: at it <laughs> and i i think that when it comes to contemplation it's important to realize it it is a long game it's like if you want to start centering prayer to hear god it's not going to be years a few years for me i would say it probably took me over 20 years of attempting to hear God in a, in a very intimate way before I started to really benefit. And so I think it's—you it's, it's you won't have very quick, immediate gains if you're going to do this. So I think that's—maybe you could speak to that, just the idea of it is a long-term, long-game kind of thing.
1: No, it is. I mean, I—, I really call it a long-term marathon with God, mm-hmm. and coming back to what I said earlier, if you do it, it will do you <laughs> over time, yeah. and you, the result are some fruits that God graces you with for what you need, even if it's just to grace you with what you need that very day mm-hmm. to get through the day, or to do a task, or to have some inner peace, or to, or to kind of wipe, uh, you know, wipe aside some of the stress or anxiety you have hmm
0: yeah it puts us in contact with God's heart for us um, I just I guess I don't think we realize how much stands in the way of really being in tune with God's heart the, how much how many obstacles or maybe just all the dissidents um, or noise you know
1: and, and that's the nice thing about this it's it's a nice safe place to sit with God thomas keating called it and i agree divine therapy where you're removing mm-hmm. all the barriers to god mm-hmm. which include like our bodies store a whole lot of stress and tension mm-hmm. so centering prayer is a safe place to release the tension in our bodies mm-hmm. that we hold and it's a safe place we have a lot of repressed thoughts and emotions that we didn't even know we had mm-hmm. and it, at least all start coming out And these are all barriers to letting really the full grace of God, you know, flourish within you and go out into the world. And and I forget the one quote, Thomas Keating, he just has a lot of neat way of saying things. You know, if we – if God gave us the maximum amount of God that God could give us, he says something like we'd be burnt to a crisp. (laughs) So he's just making a point that, you know. God wants God wants to fill us with as much of God as possible, but He knows perhaps we can only take so much mm-hmm. right now. And over time, we can take more and more of God, so that we're not burnt to a crisp. But and I, I agree with that. So I think we're we're letting go of all the barriers to God, which is the mm-hmm. tension and stress we hold in our bodies, and repressed thoughts and emotions, and then just all these interior voices mm-hmm. that are telling us things that are just not true. <laughs>
0: Yes, I uh, I try to remember and remind people. The word contemplation simply means to look at something for a long time. And when it comes to the Christian practice of contemplation, it is the idea of letting God draw us into ourselves to look. to And as David said, you know, search me, O God. Show me if there's anything, you know, show me everything wrong in me. And I think one of the most purposeful, beneficial uh, aspects of contemplation is God doing inner work in us towards healing and I had a breakdown f- almost six years ago now which kind of really jump started a desperate need in me to find healing and that is how I s- kind of stumbled into contemplation in a way God kind of threw me off the cliff uh, right. but I, like, I suddenly realized I needed to find a lot of healing from a lot of things in me and contemplation was that thing that God used or it was just the way it's like it's a natural result God saying okay you see everything wrong or you're, you're experiencing a lot of internal dysfunction let me come in and let's begin to walk together I know how to bring healing and transformation into these places but we've got to sit together we've got to get quiet and we've got to you've got to start listening to me and letting me lead. Um, that was the biggest shift, for me anyway. anyways. Uh, I had tried to deal with my anxiety, my depression, which I'd had most of my life, in my own way. And m- mostly through numbing, which is really just covering it up. So God was like, okay, we're going to actually expose it. And in exposing it, you're going to have to let me do some things and let me lead. And so... I think that's very practical for people, I mean, people struggling with anxiety, depression, even anger. Like, God's like, hey, this is, uh, I can walk with you and bring healing. I think contemplation is attuned to that very much.
1: No, I would agree, and in fact, you can even take a step back and and look at your depression or anxiety or anger, whatever it is, and realize, well, that is it me that's really not me and who I am so it gives you the, even that ability just to sit with it and be healed but also hopefully take you know uh, outside look outside at, in, in at it saying well that's really not me these are all thoughts I'm having and you know? I am not depression I might be depressed I might be angry I might be anxious but, but that is not who I am <laughs> that's just simply how I feel
0: yeah um, I would say that's partly what merton points to as the separate self or the false self like we develop a sense of our self separate from god but that is a dysfunctional self and it creates those things those dysfunctions those are just results of our separateness from god and contemplation seeks to bring us back into unity with god which practically means god begins to tell us who we are i mean that's right. That's, and then when God tells us who we are, that's who we really are, right? We've been telling ourselves who we are, the world tells us, or even sometimes religion can tell us who we are, we're sinners, we're bad people, but when God tells you who you are, you better believe that's who you are, because he knows, right?
1: And then you can continue to grow into it, so it's not a once and done thing. It's yeah, a, totally. I think of it as, a, as becoming the person I want to become, or becoming the person God wants me to become, my true self, it's mm-hmm. a journey with, with no end point. Um, right. other than i guess when i leave this physical earth as a human being and enter whatever whatever the next <laughs> phase looks like mm-hmm. but it's it's a journey of be constantly becoming what god wants me to do while i'm here on earth
0: yeah it's a i i like to think of it it's an ever expanding paradigm like it's ever opening up new and things about us new about our journey new about even new things about god it's it doesn't shrink and close us in or box us in. It's not a prison. It's ever expanding new territories. And it's that newness of God, you know, I love that.
1: So it is. Yeah. I was going to say, it just opens us up and lets things Mm -hmm. be instead of being so judgmental and and saying, this is the way to do things. And this is right. And this is wrong. and Mm -hmm. What should be done. It just opens up, widens your lenses of your eyes and you just let things be. And you're, you're more accepting of people and, and, diversity of humans and the diversity of life
0: Mm -hmm. in your second chapter um, chapter 2 of your book Sitting with God is called The Real Work of Centering Prayer we've kind of been already I love how we're kind of organically going there but you quote James Finley I think this is a good quote it's kind of pointing to what we're already talking about but he he says um, when engaged in contemplation we rest in God resting in us we are at home in God at home in us and we're talking about kind of coming to to know ourselves truly, but you know how contemplation leads us there. And James Finley, kind of that quote, really points well to that idea. I, I love that you've you included that.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're just you just centering prayer kind of moves you from just being to being in God's being. Mm-hmm. Yes, if, if that makes sense, it's more than just being; it's it's being in God's being and mm-hmm. resting in the rest of God.
0: Yeah, a lot of times I try to help people understand it in this way. When it comes to identity, we have three kind of ways we tend to found identity. Doing, knowing, or being. And God intends us to found our identity in being who we are, who he is. We sometimes found our identity in what we can do or what we can know. Those things are fleeting and changeable and not really who we are. But I, so I, I like that you're pointing to being, and I think that's foreign to us sometimes. Like, God says, You are who you are no matter what you do or what you know. That's so different, isn't it?
1: No, it is. And if you think about it, we're better if we can learn to just be. Mm-hmm. The times that we were in our just being state mm-hmm. make us better at our doing state.
0: Yes, totally. Yeah.
1: Yeah. and I'm I'm better at my doing because of my being. I know it sounds funny, but totally, I, it's, de- it's definitely true.
0: <laughs> well, see, we we try to do the opposite. We try to found our being through our doing or our knowing. We say, "Well, I am a good person because I did this, or I know that truth." But God flips it. He's like, "No, you are. You're my son. You're my daughter. That's who you are." And then out of that, you do what reflects me, and you and your truth reflects me. So it's like, He flips the paradigm. I think where being is the center of doing and knowing like you're saying and not the opposite
1: right and, and it's really a paradox because I can kind of equate it back to work at one point work was extremely busy mm-hmm. and I and I took the time to do three sits a day I shortened each one but I to do three sits a day because I really needed it and, and it's really a I found I became more productive so even though I took time away from work to practice centering prayer I then became more productive at work because i was more Hmm. honed in and focused on the task and letting go of the things that weren't going to help me and i was better Mm -hmm. able to focus and partner with god in the things that i needed to do so it 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 is kind of a paradox when you spend time Mm -hmm. just being you're better at your doing Mm -hmm. i definitely noticed that
0: yeah i I think there was a book called uh gosh i'm trying to remember the book uh Sabbath as resistance is the name. But he, he made the point, the author, who I don't remember at this point, but he said, our concept is we work to rest. But God's concept is we rest to work. When we're resting in God, then our work flows. And practically speaking, for me, I find this true many mornings heading to work. I work construction. I work for myself. But I'll I'll start out the day with this voice saying, you need to hurry. You've got so much to do. There's a voice of anxiety often speaking to me saying, this job is going to go well, are you going to, you know, are, I, a lot of, before I even I'm even there or I've gotten into it, this voice is saying, it's this voice of lack and anxiety saying, oh my gosh, you better hurry. And then I'll stop and say, God you know, that's I, that's not true. And and so I kind of listen and God says, no, it's fine. I've gone before you. It's going to be good. I'm with you today. Just don't worry about the work. I'll be with you in it. I'm going to make it go well. And so I think practically in some, you know, just in day-to-day for us, there we can hear those other voices speaking uh, scarcity, lack, and and fearfulness to us and God's that's where contemplation just practically is good to say well hey wait a minute I don't that's not a good voice God what do you say
1: no I I mean I agree and and I had off Friday and and tonight those voices will begin speaking to me thinking (laughs) what are all the emails that I'm gonna have to read and and what Mm -hmm. things are gonna am I gonna have to start doing as soon as I open up my email box and see Mm -hmm. and then I have to just calm myself and Mm -hmm. I mean, I do. I'll do a sit before I begin my day, but sometimes I actually turn on my computer and then do a one-minute sit and then begin, just to slow down and say, calm myself down and realize mm-hmm. that God is with me and I'll and I'll get through this. And it's not <laughs> stop this rich.
0: <laughs> well, I'd say that's why contemplation is a all the time practice. It's not something you did in the morning. And then now you're doing other things. It's it's something you, t- it's a mindset you take with you because in every moment, there are other voices speaking other thing, alternative truth to God's truth about who we are and whether or not we're okay. And so, I, like, and sometimes the dissident voices can actually then uh, turn us back to contemplation and say, you know, wait a minute, I need to pause. God, can you talk to me? You know, I'm hearing this other voice, telling me to worry, and so that's why I think it's a it's a daily, even moment to moment practice.
1: It is, it is. So you really can stop and take a silent pause whenever needed.
0: Yeah,
1: it's just to reset, recharge, reconnect with God, and remember that God is is with you and has always been. God is, you know, in you walking with you, walking ahead of you, and pushing from behind. Yeah. The way I think about it. Yeah, I
0: like that. That's true. He goes before us and, and he comes behind us too. Um, in your second chapter, um, I forgot that, tell me the title of the second chapter again.
1: It is... To the... I,
0: I forgot. I, ha- I could go back to it, but... Um,
1: the, the Real Work of Centering Prayer.
0: Yes, the real work. So in that chapter, you write this, Centering Prayer is simple. Number one, show up. Number two, let go. Number three, open your heart. Um, that It kind of reminds me, I, I love that it's really simple, show up, let go, open your heart. It reminds me as a young Christian in my 20s, I just, I had this kind of intuitive practice. I, would, I talked to God and I asked God questions. And when reading that in your book, it kind of reminded me of that, this I don't know how I got that idea, but I actually just asked God. I would talk with God like he was right there, and I would ask him questions. And I would ask him questions as if he could answer. I feel like that's kind of what you're also pointing to in those three instructions, right?
1: Exactly, exactly. It's just, um, and it's not simple, because sometimes sitting in silence is hard, but this, mm-hmm. that's not where complicate this thing. Our, our job, really, is just to show up, let mm-hmm. go, and open... To God, and let God take over, and and, and this you know, and the rest and the rest of this thing says during centering prayer we leave our small mind and enter a larger mind. Yes, it's another way of saying we're we're resting. Mm-hmm. We're just putting words to things that we don't know and comprehend. So mm-hmm. we say we're resting in God. We're entering the larger mind. We're not. Mm-hmm. These are all just words. It's it's much bigger than this, but this is the best way we can understand it.
0: Well, I would say our small mind is, what can I do? What do I know? What is in my hand? What resources do I? It's it's a me-centered. Uh, what's available to me and what can I do? The large mind of God or the open-hearted stance is okay. God, I have a problem or I have a question, a struggle. What? do you have to say? What can you do? And then kind of remaining open-hearted, letting that sitting with the tension of an unresolved thing until God decides to respond. And that's a posture we may ask in a moment of silent prayer, but then we walk through the day, the week, the month, waiting open-hearted, listening for God to speak, versus trying to figure it out myself.
1: No, I would agree, because silence can teach us sometimes no action is the best action and we don't need to take any action because it resolves itself. Sometimes somebody else is best suited for the task. Or sometimes now isn't the right time and maybe in a week or in two weeks or in one year is the right time to take action. It's us who just thinks something has to happen immediately, then doesn't Mm -hmm. always have obviously there's certain instances where something has to happen. But many times, we don't have to take action or we're the wrong person to take action and someone is better suited or this is just not the right time to do anything and something else should be happening
0: yeah so stepping from the smaller mind of self to the larger mind of God it, it just it can mean so many different things but in its basic sense it is the idea of giving God the space to for God to show up and answer speak move resolve heal and for us to be willing to kind of not do anything until we really feel prompted or until or God kind of brings the resolution in his way.
1: Right. Exactly.
0: I think that's very foreign. Uh, that I guess you could call the sinful nature, the, the self-willed life. or just It's foreign to us to set something out of our hands and wait. But I think that's also central to, to contemplation. It's a, the big difference between contemplation and maybe a lot of other Christian ideas.
1: agree, agree. I mean, it, it doesn't always, we, we think we need an answer immediately. Now I need to take immediate action. What should I be doing? And that's just not always true. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's, it's just not true. There, there's things, um, it's just not true. <laughs>
0: Ah, that's really good. Uh, um, There's a section in your second chapter called The Door. There's one phrase you say that I think is really good, but at the same time, I feel like maybe you could explain it in more depth um, for our audience. You write, I searched for this door for 30 years, the door of, I think, centering prayer, silence. Um, In the process, I knocked on many doors. For now, I will not knock on any new doors. So can you kind of talk about that?
1: And I guess what I mean by that is I've, I've found a practice that mm-hmm. works well for me, mm-hmm. so I'm going to stick with it and dig deep in this well and mm-hmm. see see where it takes me. Mm-hmm. And, and I always encourage people if, you know, to try centering prayer and see if it works well for you. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, there are other practices and find that practice and dig dig deep in that well. Like mm-hmm. for, for example, I was. Talking, a couple of years ago speaking to someone and they said they really need something that's more mantra-based. Hmm. So I suggested Christian meditation to them because with that, you're saying an interior mantra over and over again. And that was better for them and better suited. So my door that I knocked on is Centering Prayer. The practice resonates well with me. Mm-hmm. So I'm staying in this in this house. But someone else might find that it doesn't work for them but there might be another contemplative practice that still will get them to the same place that I go, that yeah. they can practice. So that's what I mean by that, is, is uh, I'm staying in the centering prayer house. It's, it's worked well for me.
0: Mm-hmm. You make a good point that contemplation is bigger than centering prayer, of course. Contemplation, in the broadest sense, is simply trying to be in tune with God, to hear God, to be led by God. And then the, there are practices which get us there, and they can be different for different people
1: right centering prayer really is just a practice and you Mm -hmm. you, we let go of that during our practice because that's the -hmm. purpose of it is just to sit with God and open to God so it's a tool to do that but then you let go of the practice Mm -hmm. and and just be with God and you're just using the practice or tool Mm -hmm. when you forget why you're sitting and, and use it to bring yourself back to the purpose of your sit just to be with God
0: yeah I um I remember, I I can recall prayer for myself at different stages of my journey. I can recall prayer being laborious, being hard, being kind of forced sometimes, um, sometimes easy, sometimes very conversational. Now for me, prayer is very much dominated by, it's spontaneous more for me, but it's also very joyful. I love talking. I, I want to talk to God all the time. I feel like that's where I've come to in my practice of prayer as a whole. But that is more contemplative. Uh, it's not even really a specific prayer practice, but it is. I think that's more the end goal is I want to talk to God. I, there is a joy. There is an electricity. There is a, a sense of God's presence. And that is exciting. That is, but that's been 30 plus years of of walking and journeying towards this place.
1: No, I would agree. And like, I think about myself. like I, I can't even imagine a better way to start the day than a silent sit with God. Mm-hmm. And when I forget to do it, which is very rare, but when it doesn't happen, I, I miss it. Mm-hmm. I, I need this time. And then even before I go to bed, I'll just drop to my knees, uh, by to bed, and then just say a prayer of, you know thank you and I'll just sort of thank him for everything that happened that day hmm and then I go to bed so I just can't imagine my life without doing those two things
0: yeah you describe it in this way I liked this kind of metaphor you say I sit in God's living room God has a special chair for me I am invited to sit and rest it is here that I am loved healed loved and healed it is my special time with god no words need to be said we are two friends who need each other and i i feel like for you centering prayer is an intentional set aside time just to say we're friends just to focus on god as your friend to be with god
1: exactly i mean that's exactly what it is it's just two friends sitting Mm -hmm. sitting together just as if you're sitting with your spouse or a loved one or a friend and and not doing anything other than being with each other Mm -hmm. or watching a movie together or just being with each other's presence it's just sitting with someone that means a lot to you (laughs) that you love
0: yeah I and I feel like centering prayer brings intentionality like it's not you're probably not gonna get to that place where you you get to experience that more intimate presence if you're not doing some intentional practices to kind of move you there and that's what center in prayer is.
1: Exactly. J- just like if you want to develop a relationship with with any person for that matter, you need to spend time with that person or you're not going to develop any type of relationship. So if you want to mm-hmm. deepen and develop a relationship with God, you need to spend time with God. Which includes just sitting silently as well because if you're doing all the talking then you're not doing any of, of the listening.
0: <laughs> yeah. I uh it's so true. I'm a very I'm a very talkative person and with God, um I can I can do all the talking. I think that's very funny. Uh I kinda laugh at myself, but it is important to understand that God wants to talk too and it can be foreign because we don't hear God in the traditional way we hear other people. But that's the practice, right? That You practice and practice and you give God the opportunity. And over time, a long time sometimes, you begin to learn how God speaks. And it, it can't really be taught and put into words, but it can be experienced. And these are the practices which help um, help us move towards that experience.
1: I agree. I mean, I, I completely agree. That's exactly what it is. And God, mm-hmm. you know, is very patient. And God loves us. And God mm-hmm. will create in each person the longing uh, and for what what they need. So everybody mm-hmm. is at a different point in their life with where they are and what they believe and what they're processing. And God uh, patiently waits, might patiently nudge us to mm-hmm. a deeper relationship with Him in different ways and in different ways of praying.
0: Yeah, I would say that the one thing, the one common thread through my journey that has got me here is desire. Like, I wanted to know God intimately. I believed it was possible, and I pursued it, even through discouragement and times when it, you know, it wasn't going well. And I, you point that out, too. Like, I, there's a hunger. Like, I think we, we need to kind of get in tune with our deeper longings. We do all long for God. Maybe we're not aware and contemplation helps us even become aware of that. But I think it's important that we're led by uh, a, a longing. Um, and each of us may long differently for that same thing, too. Right. Right. Well, my hour, or our hour, is coming to a close. Um, so we're going to wrap up the podcast. Uh, just so everybody knows, this these are just the first two chapters. It's my intention, and I think Richard's also willing to. We'll come back to this and maybe go through every couple chapters uh, or go two chapters at a time. But I'd like to continue to go through the book, and I don't know the frequency, maybe once a month or so, depending on my schedule and Richard's schedule. But um, Richard, I appreciate you um, taking some time. It's been really good. I-, I love talking with you anyway, but it's nice to be able to share our conversation with others. So um, thanks for coming along.
1: No, I appreciate them. Thanks for having me. It was fun to talk about you know, Centering prayers, Silence, um, the first two chapters of the book, and I'd love to come back at whatever mm-hmm. frequency makes sense to, to continue, uh, make, make our way through the book and what sure. it uh, tells, teaches, and informs both of us about. It will be a lot of fun, so I appreciate that.
0: Thank mm-hmm. you. So real quick, tell us where we can find the book, find your website, all that stuff.
1: Sure. The easiest way is, is to come to my website, silenceteaches.com. So if you come to my website, you'll see uh, I have a free e-book on Centering Prayer. If you're interested in exploring Centering Prayer, you can get my free ebook on my site. And then on my site, you can see information about Centering Prayer and about um, my book that came out last August as well, if you want to further explore it. And hmm. I love to interact with people, so if, if you reach out to me, um, you'll hear back from me. I love to interact. I've had a lot of neat interaction with different people from the book, so please reach hmm. out to me. I will definitely reach back out to you.
0: So your website, again, is?
1: Silenceteaches.com
0: Okay. And my website is www.moderncontemplative.com. Um, I will try to put a link to Richard's website and book on there. This has been the Construction Monk podcast. I'm your host, Jay Randall-Ori. Thanks for joining us, guys. Love you all. Bye. Thanks.